Epilogue. We've found that many Christians, pastors, and churches have overreacted to our message of dog theology. They have left our seminars and the reading of this book determined to develop a dog theology lifestyle or a dog theology church, only to find themselves out of balance and very unattractive to others. Then, as the numbers in their churches diminish, they rationalize it by saying those who left were just not spiritual. That raises an important question. Is dog theology unbalanced? The way to bring an uneven seesaw into balance is not to sit in the middle, but to go to the other end. Well, with centuries of cat theology at one end of the seesaw, it's been our strategy through our book and in our seminars to overemphasize the glory of God. But, This is only to counterbalance the decades and centuries of cat theology. That has permeated our churches. The practice of real dog theology is a matter of proper balance and priorities. Year upon year, decade upon decade, and century upon centuries of cat theology needs to be brought into balance by a predominant weight of dog thinking. But this heavy emphasis in this book and in our seminars is only to adjust our thinking. Living it out is another matter and requires a different strategy. That raises the question, what is the proper balance? Or better yet, what is pure dog theology? To answer this question, we need to remember a few primary points. One, cat theology is not incorrect. It is just incomplete. Two, dog theology is not the absence of cat theology. It is the completion of it. And three, Christ died both for us and the glory of God. Now, imagine a train barreling down the tracks. Train runs on two tracks. And if at any point we eliminate either rail, the train will not arrive at its destination. It will derail. Let's label one rail, us, and the other rail, glory of God. Cat theology focuses on only one rail. It's all about us. You may have thought dog theology focuses on the other rail. It's all about the glory of God. But that is not correct. Dog theology does not focus entirely on the glory of God. That would be just as incorrect and detrimental as cat theology. Remember, cat theology is not incorrect. So to leave it out would be just as wrong as when cat theology leaves out the glory of God. If our theology runs on a single rail, our train of faith will not arrive at its destination. Proper dog theology lived out is a balance of both rails with appropriate priorities for each. For instance, does God love us? Absolutely. And to leave that out is inappropriate. Did Christ die for us? Absolutely. And to leave that out is inappropriate. Does God want to bless us? Absolutely. And to leave that out? is inappropriate. Dog theology involves both messages. God loves us and wants us to point to his glory. In fact, that is why he died for us, to save us, because he loved us, and so that we might seek to fulfill our greatest purpose, to live for and pointing to his glory. And that, in turn, is so we might receive our greatest joy. There's mutual satisfaction in this process. God wants you to have the best. Him. So, he demands that we point to, exalt, lift up, and glorify him because he both deserves it, and it is through this that we receive our greatest joy. Remember the quote from John Piper? God 
is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Our churches need to be filled with balance. Yes, God loves you and wants to bless you. This is the message that attracts both unbelievers and cat Christians. That message ought to be there. It's not incorrect. Cats, dogs, and unbelievers are all attracted to cat food. But God also wants us to think in terms of priorities and results. Why does He save us? So we can glorify Him for His mercy. Why does He bless us? Because it's an outworking of His glory. Why does He take us to heaven? So we can show off His glory forever and ever. Why does He command us to live for His glory? Because we ought to and need to in order that we may receive our greatest joy. We think it's a matter of focus and priority at this point. Cats focus and live primarily, giving their attention to receiving the blessings. Living for the 70 or so years this life offers. Dogs enjoy the attention God gives them in this life, but they focus on the life to come. Cats live for now. Dogs live with eternity in mind. What does a dog church look like? It invites the masses to worship God, both for who he is and what he has done. It invites the lame, the blind, the troubled, those full of misery, and those with lives full of nothing to come and taste the living water. Having been refreshed and given life, they are then taught what that life is for and how to live it to the fullest with a focus on God's glory. If this book has left you with the impression that you need to run back to your church and change everything, you may have misread it, and we may have failed you by giving that impression. That's why we are including this epilogue. You do not have to change everything. You just need to devise a way, a plan, a strategy to take the cats you are attracting and turning them into dogs. Cat theology is not wrong. It's only wrong to stay on it and to focus primarily on it at the expense of living for and pointing to God's glory. Scripture tells us that we are to be changed and transformed by the renewing of our minds. Bring the cats into the church and then devise a program that's built for the renewing of their minds. This is the educational arm of the church. If you are a minister of education, your job is critical at this point. Our vision and plan needs to be enlarged to include as its ultimate goal training Christians for ultimate joy, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. If you, like me, Gerald, look back and wondered if you wasted the first years of your ministry by preaching a cat theology, then you need to realize this is not entirely correct. These years were not wasted because cat theology is not incorrect. But the coming years can be used to bring balance and to adjust that message that life's ultimate purpose is both to enjoy Him and glorify Him forever. What's our goal for you? To glorify God by enjoying Him and the blessings He gives you and to play your role somehow taking the glory to the nations. This way, you will live out a life of proper balance and priorities. For His Unveiling Glory, Bob Shogren and Gerald Robison.